Hey, thanks so much for joining us for episode three of the Let's Talk About God podcast. Just want to give you one tip before we get into it real quick. I want to encourage you, don't feel like you have to listen to this podcast all in one sitting. I know that these are long episodes. I believe the episode today is about an hour long. And our goal when starting the podcast is to be able to have a long form discussion where we get to talk about a particular subject regarding God and just go deep into that subject. So it is a little bit longer, but maybe you're new to podcasts or you've just never listened to one this long before. Don't feel like you have to listen to it all at once, but instead go ahead and break it up throughout your week. Maybe you listen to 10 minutes here and 20 minutes there. Listen to 30 minutes on your car ride home from work or while you're running some errands or whatever. I believe that we've structured the podcast where we're, we're talking about one subject, but we break it down into different aspects enough that you can find a comfortable stopping place, then come back to the podcast and pick up right where you left off. Our goal is we don't want you to feel intimidated or overwhelmed or like you've just got to put it aside because you don't have the time, but we want you to be blessed and to be helped by this podcast. So feel free, break it up during the week, and we really do believe that this podcast is going to help you. Well, let's go ahead and get into it. Episode three of the Let's Talk About God podcast. Hope you enjoyed the episode today. Hey, here we are back with episode three of the Let's Talk About God podcast. Hello, everybody. How's your week been? Uh, it's been a good week. It's been a good week. Um, it's it's been steady, not not anything you know overbearing, and that's always good. I've learned in the ministry there are ebbs and flows, and highs and lows, and ups and downs. Mm-hmm. And this has been one of those weeks where it's been a little lower, which is nice because then that gives me time to re-energize for when the next high comes. Really? How about you? <laughs> Mine's been on the, on the high end. <laughs> so I'm kind of like, I feel like I've just been working, 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 working. So I'm looking forward to the weekend and just hanging out a little bit. But it's been good. It's been valuable. I feel like I've got stuff done. So you always feel accomplished. Well, that's what, that's what I want to do. And I want to get to the end of what I try to label as my work week, even though we pastors are on call 24-7, but we we still have to structure. I've learned if you don't structure your week, your week will structure you. Yeah, that's good. And if you don't control your calendar, your calendar will control you. But it is nice. I I feel sorry for people <clears throat> that live for the weekend. Yeah. Uh, I, I think you and I can both say we enjoy what we do. So it's nice to be able to say all week long, we're mm-hmm. there's a joy to ministry and we're enjoying what we're doing. So yeah, I tell people all the time, I love going into work. I really do. Like, it's just fun. I, it's, I'm blessed to work with my family, work with my friends, and then just do something I genuinely enjoy every day. Doesn't mean there aren't parts of it that aren't always fun. I mean, no. there's some tough, some difficult moments, but I really do enjoy it. Yeah, and, and that's, that's great. And that's true in anything. But yeah, you ought to be able to enjoy it. But somebody said the greatest thing you do is get a job and they pay you for doing what you enjoy to do. Mm-hmm. And so that's, I think we we enjoy what we do, no doubt. Yeah, definitely. Hey, you got a little bit of bonus content right there, just in the introduction. There you go. But hey, today we're going to we're gonna get right into it. Um, episode three, today we are talking about the image of God. What does it mean to be made in the image of God? Where do we get that from? What does that mean for our lives now, the image of God? We hear about that all the time. It's a very uh, popular concept, but I think it's going to help us to clarify what that means. But but before we can even begin to explain, you know, what does it mean to be made in the image of God? We've kind of we've got to ask, where do we find that? Um, I think we find that most clearly in Genesis chapter one, so very first book of the Bible, verses twenty six through twenty eight. I'm going to read that real quick. Starting at verse 26, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. 
So there it is. Very first book of the Bible, God creates man and woman, and immediately he says, let us make them in our likeness, in our image. So, I mean, immediately from the foundation of humanity, we see we're made in the image of God. And this is a really significant event. You have to remember, this is the creation story. Yeah. So God's created birds and mammals and the fish of the sea and and uh, the cattle, and we just go through the list. So there are living, breathing things on earth, but never once are any of those creatures elevated, elevated or, or even described yeah. as containing the image. It is until the sixth day when God makes man that we realize this is something he's creating, someone he's creating, he's cre- who he's creating, who's incredibly unique. Yes. And the fact that God in holy counsel let us make man in our image, which is— you know, we I'll did throw the, back to last, last week. Last week, the the, right, we did the Trinity last, <laughs> week, last week's podcast. So you get back again that God in holy counsel said among himself— Yeah. Let's don't get back in that again. <laughs> the three and one. Yeah. That we, we need to create someone who reflects us. Yeah. That when we look at this person, God said, I see myself in this individual. That's good. And so that makes man special. We're not just dirt. We're not just a carbon figure on this planet. Yeah. We, you, you, in this society we live in with where we've removed the Bible, we removed... Religion, we've removed the the element of God. Uh, then, then we have to. Everything has to be described from a humanistic standpoint. Mm-hmm. And so we're just um, we're, we're just you know this this matter. We're we're we're, we're the highest science project, you know, whatever yeah, on yeah, planet yeah. Earth. Who one of the most common like uh, most prominent atheist thinkers? Ah, oh, I can't remember his name. Is it Richard Dawkins? Yeah, Dawkins. I think. I think it was Dawkins who said, we're just dancing to our own DNA, that we're just people, we're just creatures listening to our natural impulses. That's all we are. We live, we die, we move on. Nothing right. special. And so that's what humanism does. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's what humanism does. And so when that happens, and see, here's the struggle I've always had, and we're about to get into this, but when you get with an atheist and, and they will come back at you, if you study what they say, They'll come back, but where is the purpose in life? I mean, we're going to get into this, but where's the value and where is the purpose in life when if I'm just, I'm born, I live, I die, that's it, then where's where's the meaning? Life's not worth living. Well, then there's no purpose. I mean, I'm just one of many animals because that's basically what they see them as, just the highest form of animal life. Yeah. But you're not. We are creating the image of God. There is eternity in in our souls. Uh, when you die, you live again. You are designed to reflect God and have the image of God. And here's the thing, and maybe we're jumping way ahead, but not just now, but for all eternity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what makes us unique. Yeah, that's our purpose. Right, exactly. And we'll get into that in a minute, I guess. I like what you said. You said when God created us in his image, he created us so that when when we're looked at, when we look at each other, when he looks at us, he sees himself. Um, and that's the basis of really everything that we're talking about today in the image of God. But God is this great, big, infinite being. And so as you're going to see today, when we say that we've been made in the image of God, that doesn't just mean one thing. It actually breaks down into many different ways of being made in God's image um, and looking like Him. Absolutely. Um, here's some things that that I have in mind, um, and I think we need to talk about today, the first thought is every human being is created in God's image. When we read Genesis 1, 26 through 28, we know that Adam and Eve were made in the image of God. Mm-hmm. But what we need to understand, it wasn't just Adam and Eve, that that image of God is in everyone. And how we know that is that you have to go to Genesis chapter 5, verse 3, and... Moses writes that Adam, and they use the word begot, begot a son in his likeness yeah, after his image and named him Seth. And so we know that just from that verse, and there's some other verses, but that means that that image that was in Adam was then passed on to Seth, which was passed on. So every person bears God's image, and that's the point. 
it wasn't just for Adam and Eve. The point was it's it's everybody. It gets back to that divine purpose again. And so God made him like himself because he wants us to reflect himself. Yeah. So you're supposed to have seven billion reflections of God uh, is what is what the ultimate goal would have been in today's world, in today's time. And, and so we've already talked about how th- that made in the image of God distinguishes us from other creatures. But I think another point that's really important is uh, because we are made in the image of God does not mean that we are divine. Yeah, we're not gods. We're not gods, okay? And so somebody could push that and come up with a fanatical concept. So we're not gods. Um, the psalmist said we've been made a little lower than the angels. So, but we reflect God's glory, reflect God's likeness. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's really important today as we're talking about this so that we understand that it's, it's, it's about the image, it's about the reflection um, of God. And uh, I, I think, too, before we maybe get into what it means to, to bear the image of God, I want to talk about this for a minute. If you keep reading the story of Adam and Eve... Uh, we know that what happens next is Satan comes in the form of a serpent and, and deceives Eve, and she eats of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which God had said not to eat. She gives the fruit, which wasn't an apple, by the way. We don't yeah, know, we, we don't just know, assume yeah, it's an apple. We don't but, know what it was. But yeah. <laughs> they always put an apple, but we don't know what fruit it is. And she gave it to Adam, and he foolishly ate, and then they became sinners. They transgressed the law of God. And so what happened at that point? I think, it's, I think it's important to understand that sin marred the image of God. It did not remove the image of God from us. It just marred it. It shattered it. I think that's an important distinction. I, I read this. I'd love, I wish I would have come up with this. Uh, one man said it was the image of God was defaced but not erased. That's good. Yeah, so it's it's there. Every every person still has that, but sin mars it. And it, you know, it's like you take a hammer, especially if we're talking about if we're like mirrors. Mm-hmm. We're a mirror that reflects the image of God, that we're the reflection of God. Well, then sin was like taking a sledgehammer and hitting the mirror, and it just shatters. And so you there's a distorted image, mm-hmm. okay? And, um, and, and I think, so what does that mean? Well, that means when Adam and Eve were created— they were created good. They were created upright. Okay, so there was a moral likeness to God. Yeah. And yet, sin cost Adam and us the moral likeness to God. So sin obviously erases that. Um, one guy said that the image of God is sullied by sin. Okay. Sullied. Sullied by sin. That That's a, there's, a, there's your word for the day. Okay. It's like Sesame Street. The letter S and the word sullied. And, but this is the next step. It's restored by salvation. That's good. So it's sullied by sin, but it's restored by salvation. And so what does salvation do through Jesus Christ? It restores the image of God in us as reflected as holiness and righteousness. Yeah, I love what um, Ephesians 4, 22 through 24 says. It says, To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God. What? In true righteousness and holiness. Yeah, there it is. In true righteousness and holiness. And that's a key verse. That's another one of those key verses because... The old man is the result of the sin of Adam. The old man is the reflection of 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 um, of a marred image. Mm-hmm. Okay, but the renewal that comes through Jesus Christ, repentance, regeneration, through salvation, puts restores the mirror. So in our modern times, we've all seen movies where where something like a mirror gets shattered, okay, but then something happens and, you know, probably in a science fiction kind, and they hit the reverse button and and it goes backwards and all the pieces come back together, Mm -hmm. boom, and the mirror is restored. That's kind of what happens is the image is restored. And so through Jesus Christ and through the presence of the Holy Spirit, through salvation, now I can reflect God's holiness. I can reflect God's righteousness again. I can be that, have that moral likeness to God. And in salvation, okay, so in Christianity, 
Evan, this this is so key, and I don't I don't know that we talk about this enough, but when we talk about getting saved and being born again and 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 leaving a life of sin, et cetera, you know, the fundamental thing is I'm tired of the guilt, I'm tired of the fear, I'm tired of the shame. I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. Mm-hmm. Okay, those are those basic things that sometimes are motivators. But that might be those might be, you know, foundational motivators motivators for getting saved, or whatever. But it's not it's not those aren't the end goal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do, does the fear, guilt, and shame leave me when I get saved? Praise the Lord. Yeah. Do I get joy, peace, and love? Absolutely. Am I now turned in a different direction? So I'm no longer headed to hell. I'm going to heaven. So if I die to be absent from the body to be present with the Lord, and I have now a place in the Father's house, all that's true. Yeah. What about now? The now is. There is a goal, there is a purpose that goes all the way back to Adam and Eve in the garden. So all this goes full circle. That's why Jesus is called the second Adam, because mm-hmm. he had to he had to fix what the first Adam blew. Yeah. And so Jesus is the second Adam through salvation, through what he did on the cross, makes it possible that, that I can now reflect God's image. But now that reflection is through the Son. So Paul, in his writings, talks about, uh, what 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 we would call Christ likeness, and here's the scripture I'm thinking about is Romans eight twenty nine. Um, for those God foreknew, He predestined to be conformed to the likeness, okay, yep. or the image of His Son. So, the plan of God, what God knew in advance, what God you know people like to talk about predestination. My, my favorite thought in predestination is that God predestined for His for people who are born again to be transformed, conformed by the work of the Holy Spirit into the image of his son, Jesus Christ, who is the perfect reflection of God. Think about when Jesus came to the earth in the incarnation. For For the first time since Adam, prior to Adam's fall, you had a man perfectly reflecting the image of God. That's good. I think you see that so clearly when Jesus is being tempted by Satan in the wilderness. I think it's it's beautiful because Adam and Eve are in this perfect garden. They have everything that they could ever possibly want. Nothing has gone wrong. They're all they're fed. Everything's perfect and even in that perfect environment they fall. And here comes Jesus. He's been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. He's in the desert with nobody and nothing all alone. Satan comes and tempts him just like he did Adam and Eve, but this time Jesus stands and he doesn't sin. On our behalf. Right. The second Adam did what the first Adam should have done. Exactly. You know my old joke, right? What? Well, my old joke, because we're in the South, you know, we're Southern boys. Uh, my old joke was Adam should have shot the snake and cut down the tree and we'd still be in paradise. You know, that's what a Southern a Southern boy would pull out a shotgun, shoot the snake, and we'd get the chainsaw and cut down the tree and we'd still be in paradise. But anyway. That's funny. That's yeah. funny. Um, no, but I love that. I, I love that idea that God is rebuilding us, renewing us in his image. And, uh, you know, we can't wait till glory where that image is fully, completely, and perfectly restored. Sin is gone completely. We live in absolute and perfect obedience to God. Yeah, and let's go deep a little bit. So, you know, the three little fundamental little formula that preachers like you and like me love to use is that when you're saved, you have been justified, you're being sanctified, one day I will be glorified. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're in that sanctification state if you've been justified. And so what is sanctification? It's being set apart from sin unto God to a new purpose, to a new life. Well, now we know what the purpose is, is that every day through life's experiences, through the work of the Holy Spirit in those experiences, is what I should say, by the because it's all divine. It has to be God working in me, Jesus on the inside, working on the outside. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. John the Baptist told the crowd, he must increase and I must decrease. Now, obviously, he was talking about recognition and the ministry, focus yeah. and ministry. Yeah, stop looking. I was, I was the forerunner, but he's here. Mm-hmm. Okay, so stop looking at me. My job is to shine the spotlight on him. Yeah. So he's got to increase. I got to decrease. All right. Take that same concept though now and put it into my life. He must increase in me, and whatever I am needs to decrease. And so there needs to be a change in my life. Now, there's a really important scripture that I want to talk about. It's Second Corinthians chapter three, verse eighteen, and and Paul is talking about 
this really cool thing that happened in the Old Testament where Moses would go into this tent. It was a roaming tabernacle, okay, a, a, the, the church in the desert. They could pack it up and then set it back up because they're traveling through the wilderness. Mm-hmm. And Moses would go into this tabernacle, and he would spend time with God, and he would get in the presence of God and, and, and the glory of God. Okay, He comes out, and because he spent so much time in the presence of God, when he comes out, his face would glow with this divine glow. It freaked out everybody. Everybody in the camp of Israel runs and hides from him. And so what he has to do is he has to put this veil on his face. Like we've seen the images of women in the Middle East where they wrap the veil and all you can see is their eyes. Moses, women, a man, Moses had to do that to cover the glory uh, because it, it was freaking people out. The second, so that's one, the second reason he covered it, he really wanted to shine it. And I think sometimes he did, I think he did, but the part that bothered Moses was that eventually the glow would begin to fade and go away. Yeah. This is really important. He wanted to be seen with the glow rather than without the glow of God's glory. Think about that. Yeah. So he would put a veil up when the glow started to diminish because he didn't want to watch this now. He didn't want people to see him without the glow of God. Without the glory. Without the glory of God. Okay. So then he'd go back in the temple and spend some time with God. His face would shine again. Then he'd come out. And so Paul takes that story, and this is a really critical verse. Like a lot of people don't realize. This is what 2 Corinthians 3, so he says, now us, we born again, mm-hmm. but we all with an unveiled face. We don't, ha- we don't have to put a veil on because here's the thing. When you get saved, the glory doesn't diminish. You have, he went into the tabernacle to be with God. Now I am the tabernacle and the God is in me. And instead of the glory fading, Paul says we go from glory to glory, ever increasing glory. Right. And here's the so with unveiled face, watch this. This is the point. Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. So you're 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 seeing it. You're seeing the glory. Okay. Here's the next verse. We're being transformed into the same image. Mm -hmm. There's your word. We're made in the image of God, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, we're transferred into the same image. That's what we're wanting. That's the goal. I want to have the image of God. I want to look like God. I want when people get around me, somehow they look past my flesh and they see God. Something about me reminds them of Jesus. That's the goal. Yeah. Every day to my family, to, to people that I'm in a restaurant, when I'm shopping at a store, if I'm on the golf course, in my community. When people around me, when I walk away, they say, man, there's something about him that just makes me think of, of Jesus. And so it says being transformed in the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So what's the point? The point is that as I get into the presence of God, into his glory, okay, and when I'm when I'm interacting with him through the Holy Spirit, and that could be in church, that could be in my devotional time, it could be through an experience that I'm going through this wonderful time of things. I'm like, man, God's so good. And, oh, this is just, I'm really, or I'm going through the valley and, oh, things are so bad. But yet in the midst of it, God's showing up and he's here. It's through life's experiences and the work of the Spirit that he just, he changes me and he transforms. It's okay. Like one of the things I talk about, like a negative thing is um, God is incredibly patient. You ever think about how much he puts up with us? Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, he puts up with us. He wants us to be patient, that perseverance. Okay, the only way I can learn perseverance is I have to go through difficult times. Does that sound exciting? No, but it's going through the difficult times that I have to learn how to be patient and persevere and how to get through that, trusting God, walking in faith. But when I come through the tough time, guess what? If I do that, and I'll become I'm more like God. And I think what the what this idea of the image of God shows us is that from day one, we were meant to reflect that personal relationship with God. We were intended to show God's righteous attributes and character. And so since the fall that was marred, that was broken, and we fell into depravity, but now that we're saved, the idea is that um, we would not just sort of get saved positionally, but never get saved practically. And we never allow God to transform us and change us and look like him. But God didn't just create us to just positionally, you know, 
be in right relationship with him, but like in who we are, in our actions, in the way we talk and think and treat one another and live our lives, we were called to actually look like him. And I think for a lot of people, um, they, they think I can just pray the prayer. I can just do the thing. I can just call myself a Christian and that's good enough. I don't ever need to change or look like Jesus or step into what he has for me. But if you continue to deny living out what Jesus has called us to do and just sort of say a prayer or call yourself a Christian, you're really denying your very purpose on earth, which is to reflect the image of the glory of God. It's a package deal. Look, go back to Adam. Was Adam positionally right with God? Yeah. He was. When he made him, he made him good. He made him perfect. He was he was morally right. Yeah. Okay, so positionally he was right with God. Practically he was right with God. Okay. But when he sinned, neither. It ruined it was it ruined the whole deal. Yeah. And so you you can't have I'm positionally right, but I'm practically I can live in sin. You, you just go back to the Adam and see if that worked. If it didn't work for him, then it doesn't work today. Um, we just kind of really, I mean, we just went head first in the the deep, just very theological aspect of being in the image of God as far as our relationship with Him. Um, I love that in in Genesis and through being made in God's image, we see some kind of different ways in which we're called to reflect God's image that sometimes we don't think about that's actually really interesting. Like, for instance, we're created in God's image so we have unique things that the other animals don't. We have creativity, we have communication, we have intellect. Being made in, in God's image means that we're higher than all of the other animals in certain things that we can do. I, I love the idea of creativity. God is a creator God. He speaks words and then things happen, things create. He, he, he spoke and he created everything that we see today. And so we as humans have the ability to be creative. Now, we're not creative like God is. We can't bring something out of nothing. We have to use what we've learned and what's around us. An existing material, right. But we look like God when we create. And that looks like a lot of different ways. It's like for the artsy people out there, you look like God when you create. When you create a painting, when you write a song, when you come up with a poem, when you do something like that, you're looking like God because God is, is a creator God and a creative God. But I would even, and, and, and please do that. Like that is not a waste of time. It's not something that's not worth it. You look like God and you bring glory to God through your creativity. But I want to, you know, say something too, if like maybe you're, maybe you're a manly man out there. Like you look like God when you create something with your hands. Like when you get tools, when you get the two by four, like when you, when you create something, a structure or a tool or whatever, just like somebody with tight pants on who writes a song <laughs> wearing a scarf, like when you like get out there and get your hands dirty and build that structure, build that house, build that birdhouse, do that whatever, you too look like God through your creativity and through your invention. So we were called to be a people that create, and you look like God when you when you do create, whether that's artsy, whether that's um, just creating something with your hands, whether it's inventing something, whatever that looks like, we're meant to create. I'm reading a book by Sam Chan, and he brought up a good point. And because I love leadership so much, that's kind of my niche. Sam Chan said that on a, on like on your teams, so this is true in business or in any, any wherever you have a team, sometimes the extrovert type A's dominate the meeting. And they can be the ones that are throwing out the ideas. Mm -hmm. And he said, you may have an introvert, a person who's more reflective, that will have the best idea in the world because they they are creative uh, in the, with their mind and ideas. Yeah, that's true. And he said, you need to make sure that on that leadership team, you're you're encouraging the ones who may not be as forward to say, what are you thinking? Because we all have that capacity for creativity because we're made in the image of God. And some people are more gifted than that than others. And so it isn't about personality, anything like that, or skills or ability. It's just because of who we are, you know, in Christ, mm -hmm. that, that creativity is there. And that's true for all people, whether you're a Christian or not. Like, remember, the image of God is not removed. It's not destroyed. It's just shattered. So there are plenty of things that have hung around. That's why there are just some brilliant creatives in this world who maybe don't even believe in a God.
but they still reflect God through their creativity. And probably don't even realize it. Yeah, don't even know what they're doing. Yeah, and Evan, you know, we talked about before the podcast, uh, and I wish there's all these all these things I wish I'd have thought of them, but I didn't. But one of the ways, just so there's clarity out there, because because we're bouncing back and forth between the image of God in every man, and yet the re, the image of God in those of us who are born again. Maybe it can give some terms that can help somebody right now listening. Is there's the creation image, which is found in every person. Mm-hmm. The creation image. Okay, that's just part of being human, even though sin has shattered it. And then there's the redemption image, mm-hmm. which is found in Christ. So we're kind of bouncing back and forth right now that sometimes we may talk about the redemption image. It's something can only be seen or expressed through people who've been born again. But but then like you're talking about here, creativity is in the in the creation image yeah. in man. So that might be some terms that might help us here. Yeah. Sticking on the theme of that, that creation image, um, I think we see communication and intellect as well that are ways that we glorify God. So the idea that we can speak, I mean, God is a communicating God. You know, animals have like very, very limited communication. Like I understand there are studies out there, like animals are able to, you know, lightly communicate with each other. But I mean, let's just be real, nothing like us. They're not speaking words. They're not expressing thoughts and emotions and feelings and um, being introspective like we are. So the idea that we can communicate, that we can share our thoughts and share what we're thinking is something that only God can do and we can do. And then the angels. Um, so the animals can't do that. And then intellect, I think, kind of ties in with that. And so the idea that we can research and we can study, that we have ingenuity, that we can invent things. Um, I think science is one of the primary ways that we can glorify God. I know often Christianity and science don't seem to go together, but in fact, science is one of those things through the intellect, through discovering how God has created this world, that we can use our our brains and what God has gifted us to bring glory to Him. Humanism has failed us miserably and has pushed man away from God, which is the worst thing that can ever happen if we're made in the image of God and made to have a relationship with God, which mm-hmm. we are. Um, science historically, and this has been true with the church, was made to discover the glory of God. It's the the presupposition was that God created everything. And now my job as a scientist is to explore what God has created. Yeah. All right. Art expressed the glory of God. So science in science, I examine the glory of God in art traditionally, not, not modern times, but traditionally art reflected or expressed the glory of God. So one examines the glory. I've got to discover what God has made. And in doing so, I look at the Adam and I say, oh, man, isn't God awesome that he designed us and created the Adam? Or I look at the intricacies of, of the flower or the multiple species of a, of a certain animal. See what I'm saying? All of it says there's yeah. a God. And that's why... Um, going back, coming back around to there is a God and we're made in his image, it gives purpose and reflection in everything that happens. But I think you're spot on. You know, you're talking about um, thinking with intellect. You're talking about um, communicating. I, I think we ought to talk about feeling. Yeah. I think made in the image of God, we can think, we can feel, we can choose. Okay. Which again, separates us from every other creation. Uh, look, go back to the garden again. I mean, Adam could choose. God didn't have to put the tree there, but he put the tree there of, of knowledge of good and evil. He didn't have to give them a do and don't, but he gave them a don't. And he gave them some do's, he some things to do, but he gave them some things not. Mm-hmm. And why? Because he knew made in his image, they had the, the possibility to choose. Yeah. And they chose wrong. Yeah. Choose the blue pill, choose the red pill, and they chose the wrong pill, I guess. But going back to Little Richard, Matrix yeah. re- reference there. And going back to Richard Dawkins, once again, we're not dancing to our own DNA. We're animals act out of pure instinct. We have reason. We have moral reasoning. We are free moral agents, like you said. And so we can choose whether to do right and wrong. Sadly, because of Adam, we've chosen to do wrong. Yeah, and and it kind of gives something that's maybe a little structure here. Um, there's three implications, and we're we're in this right now. We're going to go deeper. Um, 
made in the image of God, I have the 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 capacity to experience a unique relationship with God. I think we've already talked about mm-hmm, that. Yeah. Okay. Second, I can be a representative of God, so I can reflect His image. We've talked about that. And that third, I'm responsible to God, so I'm responsible to Him. So I have to obey Him. I have to serve Him. Um, which again gets back to purpose in life. So th- there really is there's practical applications here that that incorporate in every area of our our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to go in a direction that you and I talked about prior to this. I think was something we were excited about. One of the things I think is critical is um, is that being made in the image of God, and this can go all the way back to that creation image. So whether you're redeemed or not is that we work. Yeah. We work. So the very first image of God that we have in Genesis chapter 1 is God working. For six days, God works. And so we see that that's, a, that's part of who God is. He, that, it gets back to that creativity. Not mm-hmm. only is he creative, but then he, it's working, he's working, he rests. working. He works to make something happen in the, while he's saying, let there be. Yeah. Okay. And so... Um, that's in us. And so if you've noticed, the next step is he tells man, here's a garden, deal with it, tend to it. Mm-hmm. And so Adam had a job straight out the, straight out of the gate. And then he gives Eve, who's his helpmate. So she's got a job. They're in business together, mm-hmm. and they're working together. And so I think it's— And he in- tells them, too, to take dominion of the earth. The work was not going to just stay in the garden, actually, throughout the entire earth. Right, and his man— reproduced and multiplied then right it was keep doing this that Mm -hmm. so that's who we are and i think that's a reflection of the image of god in us i think that's why if you just look anywhere anywhere across this globe people work you know people think i just work to make a living no it's more than that i mean why do you know you sometimes see people retire and they just it's killing them because they they say i gotta do something yeah And, and and people say i've watched that even after you retire, you have to work because if you just stop doing nothing, you deteriorate and die. Yeah. And so that's why you got the little old guy at Walmart, the greeter. Yeah. He's 84 and he, or somebody worked, a little old lady at Chick-fil-A is because it's in us. We've got to do something at the, because, and, you know, to get theological here, uh, laziness is a sin. Mm-hmm. Well, why is it a sin? You go to the Proverbs and all the Proverbs are rough on a person who's lazy makes excuses, always avoids work. Why? It's because laziness is the antithesis of who God is, and basically because we're made in the image of God, what is in us. The Apostle Paul, who did he tell? Was it the Thessalonians? Yes. I mean, he basically said, if you don't work, you don't eat. You don't eat. (laughs) That's right. Paul stressed (laughs) that. Yeah. So he was serious about it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Which then goes into the next thing. That was the six days. Right, what did he do on the seventh day? He rested. He rested. Okay. So here's another concept that I think we're avoiding. I'm a little concerned about in this time is that you you are God rested. Now, does God need to rest? No, because he's a divine being. But Moses wrote and said on the seventh day, God rested. So if he didn't rest for himself, who did he rest for? Rest. For us. So he's saying this, I'm doing this, I'm giving you a seven-day week, six days you work, but on the seventh day, you do nothing. You rest. You need to let your body regenerate and and get the energy, re-energize, so that you can start another week and work six more days. So God did that not for himself, but for us. And so why do I think this is important? And I'm, So I'm going to go down a rabbit trail here, is because there has been a great discussion, even in our time, about whether or not you need a Sabbath. And I have always believed that you need a Sabbath. Okay? That's why people live for the weekend. Yeah. They're they're looking for that time when they don't have to work, and they can go have some fun, okay, and whatever. Of course, for us as believers, we're looking for not only a time of where we don't have to work and we can spend time with our families and recreate or whatever, but we want to go to the church on the Lord's Day. Okay? So we want to go to church, which is Sunday. And so... This is a really, really important concept. What has concerned me is because this is so. This is a this is a contemporary issue. There there is a movement out there that says that the Ten Commandments are not relevant. All right, and the problem is that's not true. The, the Ten Commandments are the moral law of God, mm-hmm. and so the moral law of God 
has always been, is, and will always be relevant to man. It's always been wrong to commit murder. Yeah. If not, then why did Cain get in trouble for killing Abel? Yeah. Okay. It's always been wrong to lie. It will always be wrong to murder. Okay. What's happening is we're there's a movement, okay, to pick and choose, okay, and say, well, some of them, so some people are saying we don't have to keep the Ten Commandments at all, which is not true, okay? There are some that are saying, well, some of them we do, but some of them we don't. And amazingly, usually the only one they say that we don't is the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Yeah, you're right. Okay, and so here's what I'm going to propose. All right, the Jewish Sabbath as created in the in the Mosaic Law, no, that's not for us. That was for Israel. Mm-hmm. But prior to that, God established a Sabbath day. And so everybody needs a day of rest. And that's part of being made in the image of God is that I work six days and then I rest one day. Yeah. And doctors tell us that if you work six days, one day of rest, all of the energy will come back in, in you. You will, you will re-energize. The, it's like recharging the battery. And it goes back up to 100%. And then you can go again. And I think it would be important now to take this time practically. Let's talk about work and let's talk about rest. Let's tie those two together and talk about the relationship like here in 2019, the the relationship between work and rest. So I think that we've seen from the six days that work is good. And so that as you go to work, like we want to encourage you, don't just live for the weekend because God has created you to work and to produce. And so there is something redeemable about the work that you do. Now, I'm not saying that all work situations are good. I'm not saying the work in 16-hour days, seven days a week or something crazy is good, but there is a redeemable value in work that, that we are created to work, that work is something that's possible to enjoy, to get something good out of, that that you should work, and that as you go to work, I mean, work as if you're working unto the Lord. That's what that's what Paul says. Do everything as if you're working to the Lord, because in reality, your boss, who you might not like, didn't create you to work. God did, and so we can find we can find some value in that, and and, and we should work. But here's the problem that we see, and here's why. Um, we need rest as there are some of those who it's not about their work schedule, but they choose to overwork themselves all of the time. The workaholic, the, the classic workaholic. workaholic yeah. And so, yes, work is a good thing, but you've got to work and you've got to rest too because you weren't designed to work 24-7. You were designed to work and to rest. And I think a lot of us, we put this pressure on ourselves, especially when it comes into money that says, it's my job. I've got to provide for myself. So I'm going to work and I'm going to grind and work is going to uh, be my life because I'm in control. And if I can take control and make all of the money, I can make myself secure. And I think what God is teaching us through rest is, hey, work, produce, make money, but I'm going to force you to rest and force you to trust in me that I know the best plan for your life and I'm going to provide for you. That's why when God took the nation of Israel out of Egypt, he, he made them on the sixth day gather manna for two days and, and trust that God would provide for them on the Sabbath while they couldn't go collect and they couldn't work. And so I think a principle of rest is trusting God that, that, that says, I believe you're going to provide for me. I don't have to be my own security. I'm in your hands. There's, there's two things you're saying here. One is, is trust, okay? So by doing this, by, by working and then also taking a day to rest, okay, a Sabbath, th- that you're, you're saying, Lord, I trust your plan. I trust how you made me. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm understand. There's also the recognition of God. So believe it or not, and I think this is what we're trying to convey, that by working and then resting, you're conveying God. It's, it's okay. So you may say, all right, you're pushing this. No, no. Let me just, just nail Let me knock it right now. I'm going to nail it. <laughs> I'm going to say one name, Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Six days a week, Chick-fil-A is open, and it is normally, at least here, slam-packed with customers. Yeah, and it's never empty. They are working. Even in the off the off hours, I'm finger quoting right now. Three o'clock in the afternoon. (laughs) The line is stretched all the way. They're working. Yeah. If anybody's working, it's Chick-fil-A. But on Sunday, they close. You can go to McDonald's, Burger King, Wendy's, Hardee's, but you can't go to Chick-fil-A. 
And you want to know what one of the most profitable fast food chains in the country is? Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A. Because why? They trust God with their business, okay? They say, we don't have to go seven days to make profit and, and to be successful. Mm-hmm. And on and we, we're made in the image of God. There is a day of rest. We want to give our employees time to go to church, be with their families. And we have a local place here in Anderson called Grady's. They're Christians. They do the same thing. Mm-hmm. They're closed on Sunday. They yeah. have a little sign that says, we're closed on this day to give our employees a chance to, to, to worship. And they seem to be doing all right. They've added extra parts of their building. Building They're, and have grown. Yep. Even though they've got the big box competitors yep. here in town. They've stayed around. They keep on going. It's it's a reflection of God. It's giving glory to God. It's saying we recognize who God, who God is in us and who God is and how he's designed us. I think another thing while we're just flipping along with this, too, is we were talking about all the different things. I want to talk about this. There is an awareness. Because of the image you got, there's an awareness of right and wrong. Mm-hmm. I think that's part of the image of God in us. Um, the irony of poor Adam and Eve is that made in the image of God, they already knew what was right and wrong because they didn't need a tree or fruit to tell them. They had God. That was the lie of the devil. See, if the devil can get you away from God and, to, and, and get you to depend on your own ability or something other than God, then he wins. And so... Because, look, who told them not to eat the tree? God. God yeah. Who told them it was okay to eat all the other trees? God. God. They had the source of right and wrong because right and wrong comes out of God. Mm-hmm. He doesn't arbitrarily pick stuff. Morality flows out of his person. So as long as they stayed in right relationship with him, they they were aware. And so that awareness, I think, was part of that. The devil says, oh, no, you need to go to this tree. I think that's why God put that tree there, is you're going to do it yourself or you're going to trust me. Yeah. And so they had it through relationship. That's part of being made in the image of God, I think, is an awareness of right and wrong. You know, people have a conscience. We talk about even people now within the um, the creation image where sin is there. People still know right and wrong. Yeah. You know, the, the image is there. Well, Paul says that God has written the law on the hearts of the Gentiles. So even though the Jews were given the commandments, the Gentiles, he said they still, this is what convicts them and makes them guilty, is they still have a conscience. Exactly right. And I think that goes back to the um, to the concept of the image of God as well. Yeah, exactly. I think something else that we see, and then I, I want to tie the spiritual values of both of these together. I think that's important. I think something else that we see um, is multiplication. So God not only told Adam and Eve to take dominion of the earth and the animals and everything that they see, he he also told them to be fruitful and to multiply. And so part of being made in the image of God is the family structure, which is male and female, man and woman married together, and then reproducing. So family and reproduction and spreading out throughout the earth is something that's um, a part of being made in the image of God and, and a command to Adam and Eve. So I'd say that families are a gift from God. It's a part of God's plan. Children are a part of God's plan. Multiplying are part of God's plan. And so as you are a parent, as you're a part of a family, um, you know, you're living out what God has called us to do. And once again, that's a part of the creation image. We still reproduce. We still have children today. Um, you know, obviously we've seen some issues with that with sin um, as far as abortion. And we're going to talk about that in in a few minutes, but um you know, that, that's what it means is, is to multiply. Well, and let's go ahead and let's just dive in. Um, let's just go ahead. Well, first, th- well, first, real quick, before we yeah. can do that, can we talk about the spiritual implications of work and multiplication? No, go ahead. And, and, and the reason that I say that, and then let's spend a few minutes talking about abortion, is that God has called us to work and he's called us to multiply. That's creation image, right? But now in that redemption image, that Christ image, we've actually got a new commission, which is we weren't created just to work and to till the land. Now through Christ, we're created for good works. Right. We're created to work um, in a way that's moral. We're, we're created to run our businesses with moral business practices to reflect God in our work. So working towards Christ and his kingdom and seeing more people come to know the gospel, to serve in church, to serve others. Volunteer, and, be yeah. charitable. Yeah, exactly. See and, a need and meet the need. And then in a way that we're physically working, to do so in a way that honors Christ, to respect your fellow employees if you're a boss, to respect those that are under you, to be fair to them, to pay them what they deserve, like all of those things to take care of them. 
And then at the same time, we're called to multiply. Well, we were called to multiply and to make families, but Jesus has given us a new commission. So he told Adam and Eve, I'm going to send you out into the world and I want you to multiply. Well, now through his new creation at the Great Commission in Matthew 28, he tells his disciples, I'm going to send you out into the world. I want you to be fruitful and multiply, but this time you're making disciples, disciples of all nations. And so through that initial purpose and that image of God, but now in the Christ image, we're called not just to to make families, but we're called to make disciples. Um, that's still a part of who we are and who we're called Procreation to be. Procreation and regeneration. Exactly. It's, you're making making babies. Yeah. Making babies. Making, making babies. babies. Procreation and making people who experience new birth in Christ through salvation. Yeah, 100%. That, that is. That's multiplication. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Um, what I was going to do before we got into talking about abortion, uh, just go in another hot button, is, you know, we're, unfortunately, in America, you've got this, the, um, the same-sex marriage issue mm-hmm. that now is part of our law and part of the law of the land. Obviously, we don't stand for that. So despite the fact that it is on the books, it is a, it's, it's, a, it's a law of the land. It is a law that we as believers in Jesus Christ and as the church of the living God, we do not stand for it. We don't recognize it. There are all kinds of reasons. Obviously, the moral reasons for us are big. But again, we go back to the image of God. So you go back to Genesis 1, one more time, and it says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And later on to that, he says, um, so a man will leave his father and mother. Uh, I can't and remember. cleave like, to his wife. wife and, and the two become, will become one Become flesh. one flesh. They're made in the image of God. And so a man is made in the image of God. A woman is made in the image of God. They reflect. So individually, single, you can reflect the image of mm-hmm. God. But in if you're going to talk about marriage... Marriage is a reflection together of the image of God. And and so we get more of this in the New Testament where the man represents Christ, the woman represents the bride of Christ. Church, yeah. Right, the church, the redeemed. And so within the marriage of a man and a woman, you have the reflection of the image of God and of, and of his church. That as Christ loves the church and gave himself up for her, a man is supposed to love a woman sacrificially, setting himself aside to love her. But it's it's important that you just see that it goes back to the beginning. You say, well, why why is it so important that it's a man and a woman? Why can't it be a man and a man and a woman? Because that's not the paradigm. When he created man in his own image, he created them male and female. Mm-hmm. So why, that verse is there on purpose. What did he say? He said that it is not good for man to be alone. Right. And so their man's proper companion is not another man. It's a woman. That's what That's he created. He created, he created a woman, Eve. And so, but, but again, keep going backwards from that. But why is he say, okay, but all right, so, but I don't believe that. I still believe a, a man can marry man. No, no, what you're missing it is the image of God in us is reflected in male and female. In male and, female. Mm-hmm. and so what is inside of us, what what is what God has designed, how God has designed, is, is that is in male and female. Yeah. And so that, I think that gets in that issue. And then we know that right now the abortion issue has come to the front uh, with what the New York legislature did passing the late-term abortion that Governor Cuomo signed. Um, it's amazing. They they stood up and applauded, which is just appalling. Just smiling and oh, happy. cheering. Oh, yeah. they were cheering for for the death of ba- babies. Uh, then Governor Cuomo signed. I read this week his 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 approval ratings have dropped to the lowest they've ever dropped. Yeah. Um, and then in Virginia, the Senator Tran, she's a state senator, was— brought legislation. I don't think it's been passed. Uh, I think it didn't get passed, but she brought legislation forward to to have abortion all the way up to as the baby is viable and even in the birthing process, which is appalling. That's infanticide. It's disgusting. Right. And so the church needs, and I preached on this recently, the church has got to stand up. We are mm-hmm. the voice. Business is not going to do it. Government's not going to do it. Education systems, we are the voice that stands up for morality. And the church cannot be silent. The church must speak up. And so we must speak up for the, the the rights and the life of the unborn. But why do we do this? It gets back to this image. Of, we're all made in the image of God. In Genesis 9, 6, this goes back to the image. This is now with Noah. God has um, 
just wiped out the earth because of the sinfulness of man. Now he's talking to Noah, Genesis 9, 6. And, and this gives you the, the inherent value of someone made in the image right, of God. that's where he we're says, going with this. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. Why? For God made man in his own image. So God considers it an abomination for a man to kill a man, for a human to kill another human. Why? Because we all have value because we've been made in God's image. This is why murder is wrong. Yeah. This is why murder is wrong. Here, here's one of the big ten, ten mm-hmm. commandments, is because we're made in the image of God. By the way, I think if you went through all the ten, it might it might go, oh, every one of them are going to go back to God. Why is lying wrong? Because God is truth. Jesus mm-hmm. said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Why should you honor your father and mother? Right, because he's our heavenly father. Yep. I mean, just why do you why why is it wrong to take God's name in vain? Because God is holy and he's the only God. Why is it why can't you make no other image? Because there's only one God. Why can you why can you not covet God as our provider? Exactly. Yeah. Everything goes back to who God is in his image. Mm-hmm. And then we're supposed to live right to reflect who he is. Mm-hmm. Okay. But but you get back to this and this abortion issue. One of the things that keeps coming up for people who are pro-life and who are advocates for the unborn is where is the where is the recognition of the dignity and the value of human life? Where is it? And and we've got to go back to that. And and so if you don't recognize that, and and I know one of the things we we talked about is Jeremiah said God said to Jeremiah before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Yeah. Okay. So. People say, "Well, I don't. I don't believe abortion is wrong." No, you, you've got to. It is wrong, and it's wrong because it is not simply the result. A, a, a fetus or a pregnancy is not simply the result of a human act between a man and a woman. It is. There's a divine element in that. There, God gets in the works. He created it where it is physical. Okay, it's procreation, but God gets involved in this, and that's what He told Jeremiah before I formed you in the womb. In Psalm one thirty nine, yeah. He says. David's talking to God. You right. formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Like yeah. that's absolutely beautiful. David is recognizing. I understand how how parents work. Understand how reproduction works. But God, you made me. I'm giving you the credit. You formed me. Well, if you in keep my mother's if room. you keep reading, it, and of course the the Psalms are, are oftentimes very poetic. Mm-hmm. So there's a poetic image. But he said, wonderful are your works, your works. So he's still talking about birth, creating procreation, and not just birth, but procreation. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. And then he gets poetic. There's imagery here. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret. I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, which is depths of the earth is his mother's womb. So there's imagery there. And your eyes saw my unformed substance and in your book were written every one of them the days that were formed for me. So there is a divine plan for every person for the for the fetus. Go ahead and say it. Yeah. For the for the unformed substance, which today we would call a fetus, but but in God's eyes, it's it's not it's not a fetus. It is the it is the beginning stages of a human being that God has a plan for the days that were formed for me when yet as yet there was none of them. Okay. So there is a plan, and so. And it is made so. If that is is if that's a person being formed in the womb, you call it a fetus. Doesn't matter. It's a person. That's the beginning stages of the gestation period. That person is made in the image of God. And if we're going to talk about legislatively, God actually carries this out within the nation of Israel. There's a law that says if two men are fighting around a pregnant woman and one of them accidentally strikes the pregnant woman and kills the baby, that guy. Gets put to death. He, he's, he's considered he's, a murderer. He's murdered he's someone murderer. made in the yep. image of made God. Made in the image of God. It's a person. So again, this is a hot button issue, a hot topic, and we cannot look at it st- simply from an intellectual viewpoint without the guidance of God and his scriptures. Let's be intellectual, but let's be intellectual with moral guidance. Let's mm-hmm. have a moral compass because this is a moral issue. And so this is where the image of God comes into play with this. And so that so that when you're saying, I'm not just aborting a fetus, I'm aborting, it's a person yes. made yeah. in the image of God. That God knows he has a plan for, he already knows every day plan for that human. How dare we interrupt God's plan? Since Roe human. versus Wade, Evan, 1973 in America, we have aborted 61 million babies. Mm-hmm. God help us. We've got blood on our hands. 
We, we need a generation that rises up and says it's enough, and we need to reverse this law and eliminate it and get rid of it and um, protect and, human life. And ultimately, that starts with spreading the idea that every person has value, value. because they're made in the image of God. Yep. Well, I think this has been an excellent podcast today. Um, I hope that you out there, the listeners, you've learned something from this, that you've seen how being made in the image of God is not just high theology. It's not just something for scholars and pastors. It's for you. It affects your everyday life. It it affects morality. Um, It affects just how you live your life, how you see God, how you see yourself. Um, I hope that you've enjoyed this podcast, that you've learned something from it. If you would, go ahead and subscribe if you haven't already. That way you can stay up to date on every podcast that we release. Once again, we're going to be releasing podcasts every, um, excuse me, second and fourth Monday of every month. So the second and fourth Mondays of every single month, a new podcast is releasing. If you would to go ahead and rate us and write a review, every review makes it so that more and more people get to discover this podcast. Apple will promote it more if you review it on Apple's store there, and then we'll be able to get the message of who God is um, and, and expose more people to this conversation where we're just talking about God, as the name says. I hope that you have an amazing week, and we'll see you next time. Take care.